Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Unmarked, a collaborative podcast brought to you by Soccer Bible and Out of Home. Let's go! Yo, you're listening to the Unmarked show. This is Unmarked. Yo, this is Unmarked. This is Unmarked. Wouldn't believe it, Jeff. He's broken past two defenders, completely on his own in the box. Now tuning in to the Unmarked podcast. You're listening to Unmarked, featuring Kieran Kwame, Yaf, and Steven. You London boys are crazy. All right, then. Well, come on, people. Um, welcome to the Unmarked show, a brand new football series giving some of your favourite players space to speak freely and give you, our listeners, the opportunity to learn more about them away from the pit. And see them more than just footballers, brought to you from... Soccer Bible and a man from out of home. Um, we're four Londoners living in Amsterdam, capturing and sharing stories and inspiring people while sharing our own. And with me, I've got the boys, Yaf, Stephen, Kwame. And joining us today is a player that we're super excited to have on the, on the show. Um, at 15, he became Wickham Wanderers' youngest ever Football League player and goal scorer. Um, his work moved him to Liverpool in 2012, playing with the likes of Raheem Sterling. Steven Gerrard, Luis Suarez, which is a sore spot for Quain. Um, and he spent the last four seasons uh, playing for Warworth, hailing from South East London, Bermondsey, it's Jordan Add. Make some noise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome, welcome. Thank you, thank you. Um, good to have you on, bro. Good to have you on, bro. Um, the way that we start this show, yeah, is um, we do this thing called What Made You Smile this week. And we go around asking each other what made you smile. Basically, what we want to do is just that we do it because... It helps us to stay grounded. It helps us to like be grateful for the things that we have in life and that. So, um, just wanted to ask you, bro, what made you smile this week? Um, it was today. It was yesterday, actually. Uh, I got a video from my daughter. Went to oh, shit. yeah, so that got a smile on my face. Sick, man. How old is she? She's two. Oh damn! What about, what about you, lot? What made you lot smile this week? Mm, I can go. Simple one, man. Simple one, bro. Like, how many are you gonna lie right now? Huh? How many are you gonna lie right now? No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a message from my mum or something like that. <laughs> what else? Uh, yeah, you say the man never lied. You think the man never lied? <laughs> all right, all right. Quick question. Small. Quick question, Jordan. Out of everyone on this call here, who do you think is most likely to lie about what made them smile? Oh, you, you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the one that has from you. come back to haunt me at some point. <laughs> Stephen, Stephen, Stephen. Now, my thing is a simple one, man. Like, obviously, you know, connecting with family and stuff is always a nice one, but um. I've just been back on my fitness, man. Like, obviously, Corona fucked me up. Like, weren't really working out as much as I should have been and just slacking. You eat a bit more food, you know. You enjoy the working from home thing. You get a couple snacks. You get the speculars, the Dutch biscuits. And, um, yeah, just been going ham, like, going for runs around the park, going back to the gym now. So, you know, when you start working out, yeah, you just, I don't know, just mentally, it just makes you feel like, yeah, like, I'm back on track. So... Mm-hmm. Simple one, but that's kind of the thing that's got me a bit more energised and, and feeling good this week, man. What are you doing? Running or going to the gym, bro? I'm doing both, bro. Come on. Okay, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Multifaceted. What about you, Stephen? What made you smile this week, bro? I had to change, man, because like, Jordan outed me. But, like, so you, oh, what? You're going to lie? You was going to lie, innit? <laughs> I was going to tell the truth. Genuinely, it was my brother's and it was my mum's birthday. It was my mum's birthday. When was it? Yeah, yesterday. And my brother's on Friday, so it was sick. So I, I came from uh, Amsterdam to come celebrate with them. So that was it was sick. Um, haven't seen them in like five months, so uh, which is a long time for me. So that was like cool. And then outside of that, I'm not gonna lie, eating the food. Like I've had fried rice, jollof rice, agusi, eba, amala. Like I'm coming back two stone heavier minimum. 
with at least two chains and it's just a madness. Like you wake up and then there's food, you eat it, and then like my mum's like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna make some more. And I'm like, I just can't say no. I've just been eating and eating, and it's been like it's been diabolical. So I'm I'm worried for when I come back on Friday and what what shape I'm gonna be. But I know there's a three weeks of straight five K runs every day to try and undo some of this damage. But Uncle oh, Benny's okay, so it's really not going anywhere. Yeah, I guess it's, a bit, it's, it's similar to what um, Amputor said, what Stephen just said. Um, what made me smile this week was me, because it's my birthday today, and, and a lot of people have been showing love. And um, yeah, bro, honestly, it's my day, isn't it? And, uh, yeah, <laughs> I spoke to, um, to my family who are in Ghana, to the Corona, and my, my brothers are back home, and friends and family from all over, and everyone's showing love, and like, oh, this is nice, yeah. Like, not selfishly, but you know, everyone knows that birthday love is a nice thing, and it? That yeah, yeah. for people to remind your, yourself that you mean something. And yeah, um, the, and like, the, the, the weather's getting a little bit better, so hopefully that's a good time. And then the weekend comes in and we'll, we'll, and we'll play. What are you saying, Kieran? Um, what made me smile this week? Going back in, funnily enough, yeah, just going back into my office, isn't it? I haven't been in my office for time, and like, just having the space to work. It's different. I can go back home and switch off rather than just working from my yard, bro. It's long. Um, other than that, and getting an invite to my friend's birthday in a post, pretty sick. Um, it's dope. That's it. Wavy, man. Glad everyone's had, had that positivity around them, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, before we go into it, like, Jordan, I need, to, I need to ask because for so many, so many years I've been hearing um, how, like, the British commentators pronounce your surname. And how do you pronounce the surname? Because it's a it's a it's a Nigerian surname. Well, to the commentators, they say I. What um, my family, uh, my dad's side is Ibe. Yeah, Ibe. Oh, revelation! Revelation! You might have been listening to Jeff Sterling and the gang, and I'm like, I'm like, nah, 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 eight. But like now, I'm glad you can clear that up. And obviously, like your dad's from Nigeria, and I'm just curious how how much how much in touch with that Nigerian side are you? Do you, do you ever go back? Um, did you eat the food? Um, been once. Um, um, don't really eat the food. I do like jollof rice. Come on, come but, on. Um, yeah, I don't really eat the food. Um, I like the music as well. Uh, which artist do you like the most at the moment? Uh, Wiz Kid, probably. See, see what's his name? Is it Naira Mali? Yeah, yeah, Naira Mali. Naira Mali. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. See. And then, um, how long ago did you last go to Nigeria? Or like, oh, was you just busy? Uh, I, was, I was a young buck then. Uh, maybe when I was like five, six. Maybe I'm younger. I fully recommend going around December time. If you if you if you're ever curious to go back, it's really popping off around December. So I, I fully recommend uh, you going to visit in December. Um, but that's come. No, I just wanted to. I was just curious because I've seen you like uh, your career. And I've seen the name, and I've always wondered. And I know that uh, I know our, our nation tried to lure you away from England one time, um, and obviously you chose obviously you chose England. And I'm, I'm not salty. I've forg- I forgiven you. I've forgiven you now. Uh, but like, I was just wondering how close you were uh, to that side of the family. So it's good that you kind of um, go back and you're aware of it and stuff like that. So big up, mm. big up for that. And obviously, we've got um, a Ghanaian uh, on the call as well. So Jordan, very, very important question: Ghanaian or Nigerian jollof? I ain't touching no Ghanaian. Cheers! <laughs> Yo, end the podcast. That was aggressive. That was him, bro. Man said, "Up from the heart." That was right here. That was from deep down. I love it. Is you know, Ghanaians they think they can dance better than Nigerians as well. Do the ooh. He did the ooh. He smoked. He did the ooh. Actually, smoke. Come on, defend your country, bro. One the subject. It's the truth. Come on. And he says, well, occasionally, Jordan, those, those claims are wild and forced and have to get, yeah, no. We, we, I'm, 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 I'm trying to be professional, so, let, so let, let, let's make sure we move on and that's it. <laughs> oh, man. But Jordan, so you, you, you obviously, um, you grew up in South London, right? Where, whereabouts was it? Uh, Tower Bridge. Oh, sick. 
What was that like, man? Like, how do you think growing up in the ends and like coming from South London sort of shaped you and made you the person that you are now? Uh, when I was growing up, it was uh, one of them times it was cool for me because um, my eye was a school was on football. So like straight after school, our school was local, either primary or secondary school. I'd go to Tabard Park. I don't know if you guys know, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be there until late at night, just playing football with the the older lot. Or my dad would take me, or my my mum would come to the park for my little siblings. So Tabard was was, uh, was the main thing while growing up from the age of six, seven to fourteen. Yeah. Did, did you always know that you wanted to be a footballer? Like, did you could you tell from early that you was wavy? Um, I always knew that I, I wanted to do it. Um, I didn't really have, to be honest, I didn't really have my mindset on anything else. I always got asked the question: uh, If you couldn't be a footballer, what else would you do? I think it would still be in uh, sports. Mm. Uh, I found athletics quite quite good. But um, from young, I just football, 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 football. What was your events when you, when you did athletics? Pardon me? What, what, what events did you do in athletics? 100 and 200. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do you know? Do you know? What's, do you know what's making you laugh with Jordan? Every time, every time you says something, you're just like, you sip the water after, in it, man. Hold that, <laughs> you man. Hold that. Ghanaian, Ghanaian is dead, man. Sip the water. Sip the water. Sip the water. <laughs> yeah, it's trust like, me. It's like the exclamation point. It's sick. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I think um, like one thing for us that we can all resonate with is, is sort of growing up in South as well, like coming from them areas. I don't know how it was for you, but for us, it weren't. It wasn't necessarily. The best area to grow up in. Yeah, there was, there was some like uh, some mad stuff that went on in front of my eyes, and uh, maybe not in front of my eyes, but I'd hear about it mm-hmm. at, at Tabard Park or maybe down the road. So it wasn't easy like that, but I wasn't exposed to all them things. Yeah, and as someone like you sounded like you was quite focused when you was young, right? Like, did hearing about that stuff motivate you more to want to sort of, you know, become a footballer, become successful and, and be able to help your family? Hearing about what? Like some of the stuff that you said, like you weren't necessarily oh. exposed to, but knowing it was around. Yeah. And, you know. I'm never the type to, you know, be on roads, doing certain sort, certain things or like selling drugs. I'm, that's not me. Uh, straight after school, whether I've, I've had a good day in school or a bad day, I want to go play football straight after. Yeah, you've been you've been in it from early, man. And like, so when so when did you when did you realize that you was probably gonna become a, a football player? Like, when did you say, uh, yeah, like, I'm, I'm actually pretty sick? I think it was uh, when I was at Wickham in the the under. It would have been the under 18s. I was in the under 18s, and a lot of some of the players were getting chances um, during the season play for the first team. Bear in mind, um, I'm not even under 18, under 16, or I was under 15 at the time. Mm-hmm. So there's quite a few levels. And then obviously I got that opportunity, um, thankfully from uh, Gary Weddock and Richard Dobber, Dobson, actually. And then I took my chance. Yeah, man. Shouts out to Wickham as well. They just got promotion to the championship, man. Yeah. They've been flying, bro. Yeah, I messaged uh, two of the players as well. I'm uh, so happy for them. Definitely. Such a big you, move, man. Are you still in contact at the club? Um, well, Anthony Stewart. Yeah, 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 yeah. I used to kick ball with him, you know. We was we, bro, we was the same level, fam. It was the same level. Yeah, that's that's what that's what everyone says. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Yo, I'm joking. Jordan, I'm joking. This shit smoke I'm for the man, then, bro. He's been wavy from early, though. I'm not gonna lie. He was, <laughs> like, from when he was like ten, he was wavy. Everyone was like, yeah. "This guy's clearly gonna be a professional football player, bro." Yeah, Anthony Stewart, man. He's worked so hard, definitely, mm. over the last few few seasons, and I'm. Like we've been conversating for like the last two, three days, and um, it's I'm just so so happy for him because he's worked extremely hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I that's a lot of things that um, Big Boss. 
Sorry, go on, go, go ahead, go ahead. Big boss as well, I think so much. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, I think um, that's, that's... People see a lot of the glitz and glamour of football players, man. Like, they don't see the... Like, they'll see Anthony Stewart holding the trophy and, like, the man of the match award, but they don't see all of that hard work. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's, like, there's there's something there whereby, like, you know, yeah, that like, I don't know. What do you think that is? Like, why do you think people just see the end result and they don't necessarily know about all the work it takes? I don't know. Probably because... Um... It's not much engagement between uh, fans and the critics and, and the footballers. You only see what they see on a Saturday or maybe in a training session that they see on YouTube, but they don't see the day-to-day work and mm. their life at home and stuff like that. Yeah. And how I that, it is for some people. Yeah, I think that plays into the whole narrative of like people in the media are just like, or people and fans just play it like, talking out and saying things that they don't have a clue on, you know what I'm saying? They always want to say, oh, this guy must be lazy or he's getting paid X amount to do this and rare, rare, rare. But don't understand that there's a whole load of shit that goes into being a footballer and so many sacrifices, isn't it? Um, mm. So, yeah, like, I can imagine that just being just dead. You know what I mean? And then, um, Jordan, I just wanted to ask, like, with your family, like, and your parents in particular, like, um, did they back you to do football like from like early? Because I know like both of my parents are like Nigerian parents, and I know like for me it's always face your books or why are you going out playing football or that. So I'm just interested to like see because um, you mentioned like your dad taking you to play. Was he always from like day one like this is you? Um, it was my choice. Um, both my parents were supportive. Uh, my mom she's half Jamaican, half English. Um, but they both uh, shared the load. So did the rest of my family as well. Uh, uncles and aunties, uh, older cousins, and everyone helped. See, see, see. And then, so like, you know that family is like uh, really important to you in terms of like uh, your journey. Like, And you, we referenced some of the sacrifices. From your point of view, uh, what are some of the sacrifices that you've had to make? Because I'd just love for uh, some of the people there to understand like, what it actually takes to make it. Some of the sacrifices that to make. Um, leaving the rest of my family behind. Mm. Not my immediate family, but the rest of my family. Because me going to Liverpool when I was uh, 15, that, that was foreign to me. You know, I'd never been up north of England. Mm. So um, when they first came in, I, I didn't want to go without my parents, without my mum and brother and sister. So when they get, uh, gave me the opportunity to bring them, then that's when I made it happen. Yeah, that's, that's, that's big though. There's like two things there. There's, the first one is, like even just before that, being so young and being... You know, exposed to all of this transfer speculation. You know, you played for the first team. Brother, I remember when I was kicking ball and everyone was like gassed off of this guy, Jordan, at Wickham. I was like, who is this guy and why? Like, how like how wavy can he be? Because those times it wasn't really too heavy on YouTube, innit? Like, you couldn't really see players yeah. as, much as you could now. It was more just like South London hearsay, innit? It's like, no, nah, there's this guy, he's hard, like, plays for Wickham mm-hmm. first team, he's like 15, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, right, okay, like, you know, the, the, you must be a decent player. So how, like how how is that like you're basically still in school I would have assumed at that point and yeah. then you're playing first team for Wickham like how mad was that? Yeah, it was very mad because um, <laughs> I'd play on a Saturday for the first team like when I scored against Sheffield Wednesday and then going to school on Monday like I said in my last pod- podcast um, a little bit of me where you know. Mm. Glasses. <laughs> <laughs> um, just for the whole um, lesson, we watched um, BBC iPlayer and we just watched the the, the highlights. That's See, price has gone up. Price has gone up Trust after me. that. Where I would not be listening to any of my lessons, where What maths? Oh, man, I scored. I still got to listen because if I don't listen, I've got a mum to come home to. Be <laughs> yeah, I heard it. Flame, bro. I feel that still and so you've done that now and there's all of that and you know it sounds like you you, you still managed to keep quite a level head which I don't think I definitely would have wouldn't have been able to be that boy so shouts out to you but 
then then it transitions into all of the speculation and you know suddenly you're linked with clubs like Liverpool. Like how how was that for you to to deal with? Nah, it's big. You know, I, I know the history of the club. My dad is a Liverpool fan. Oh, so nice. Our friends are a Liverpool fan, and at the time I was um, I liked some of the players they had there. I was a Chelsea fan when I was when I was younger, but you know, going to a club or a club one in year, and you know that Steve mm. Gerrard there, it's gonna you know turn your head. Yeah. What was it? What was the um? Sorry, yeah. What was it? What was like the level change from going from Wickham as a fifteen-year-old going straight into like Liverpool? Like, what? What was that like? What was the dynamic like when you first moved up there? You know, this is weird because I've never. I've never explained it to anyone. Yeah. You see, when I was at Wickham uh, in the first team or with the youth team, I always had time, you know, get the ball mm-hmm. from people or wherever. I could do my thing. When I came to Liverpool in the first week, <laughs> I'm telling you, these scouts, whether they got the ball or not, touch that. <laughs> and the thing is, there ain't no referees in training. Bow. <laughs> Wow, it was serious, honestly. <laughs> what was that like for you then? Um, I found it a bit intimidating, mm. honestly. Because um, the majority of the team, the say there's 18 of us, there's 12 of them are all scouts. Mm. And then a couple of the other players are from maybe like uh, Guinea-Bissau, uh, Sweden, Ireland. And yeah. That's the only English one. So, so what, you're the only, only, from- only, only one from London. Yeah, do you think do you think you being from London, like coming up north, there's this obviously the stigmatism of being like a southern softie. Do you think they like they're like, oh, we got this boy from London, we're gonna like lay a couple on him first, first and foremost when he comes in, or is that just the scouse way? I don't know, but they put their tackles in. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, Jordan, because I did my I did my MBA in Liverpool, so I lived up there for like a year as well. And like, for me, it was like one of the biggest uh, culture shocks I've ever had uh, because it's like a different, it's completely like a different world uh, up north. And then like going out in like Seal Street uh, and all those spots, like I found it, yeah, I, fa- I loved it because the people are like, so down to earth and, and friendly, but like it took a while to get uh, used to just like a different pace of life. So how is it for you um, off the pitch? Because I know like just playing, I was playing like Sunday League or Saturday League um, in Liverpool and to your point, like they go full in in those tackles. Like you can't, you, you can't, <laughs> you can't pull out of anything. Like it's full-blooded from like, from even like the youth, youth all the way up. Like it's just like the way and the mentality up there. But how did you find it off the pitch in terms of your surroundings? What, just being around Liverpool? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Liverpool, the city. Uh, it was fine. Um, Liverpool fans showed love whenever I went into town. Uh, if I was going to go to that Nando's or the cinema, um, it was fine like that. Um, Everton fans, a bit funny at times. <laughs> <laughs> it was all banter. But it, Liverpool was a nice place, man. And then, uh, was there anyone in particular that helped you really settle down? Either it was a teammate or a manager or coach? Um, teammate, I'd have to say, um, from a young age, it was uh, Raheem at first. And then once I moved into the first team, it was Raheem um, and Daniel Sturridge. Mm. And uh, one of the coaches that really helped me from the transition of the reserve team to the first team was Alex Inglefort. Oh, yeah, I know him. He's the academy director, right? Yeah, yeah, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. I think um, it's it's interesting you mentioned Raheem because he made a similar sort of move and, and transition. Like, what, what was his first bit of advice to you? Or what did he say to you when, when you guys sort of linked up in Liverpool? Can't, can't remember. <laughs> Remember, but you always talk to me in training and tell me, oh, just do your thing, you're here for a purpose, take a shot, you've got a powerful shot. That's one thing I, I remember him always saying to me. That's so sick because pe- people won't necessarily see or hear about that side of Raheem. Do you know what I mean? Like, especially if you see all the stuff in the media that's mm. kind of projected onto him, but 
that him sort of like, you know, taking you under his wing, like helping you out and and, and being encouraging. Like, I think that's a side that people don't necessarily talk about much. Yeah, definitely. Why do you think that is? I don't know why. Um, don't really want to get into it, but you know, Raheem is a, is a like magnificent guy. Uh, we still speak. We still give advice even up to now. I still look up to him, even though it's only like a year um, difference. So it's terrific. Yeah. And what do you What do you think about all of the stuff that he's doing now, man? Like he's obviously killing it at City. He's making big statements against you know like racism, football, and all of this stuff. Like. How do you feel about what he's doing now, man? I'm proud, you know, because um, someone has to do it at the end of the day. And, you know, if he starts it, other players can continue it. But, you know, he's made a, um, a massive change and you can see the stuff he's, he's putting out on Instagram and Twitter about Black Lives Matter and stuff like racism. It's good. Yeah. And, and for you, what was like... Um, you know, we, we mentioned that your transition from London to Liverpool, two separate worlds. Like, I used to live up north as well. And every time I used to go into Liverpool, it was like, go into another country, basically, because it's so different. Mm. It's so different. Like, even down to the, you go out to um, Liverpool one on Saturday morning and you see the girls with, like, the rollers the in rollers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Getting ready for the night out. Like, it's just such a unique place, isn't it? But <laughs> do, you, do you remember, like, what the maybe one of the first things was when you got there and he was like, yo, like, I am not, I'm not in London anymore. Like, do you remember what that, that sort of culture shock was? Um, not saying I had the best work then, but um, <laughs> when I used to see them uh, with uh, no face on uh, and one tens, I thought this is a different place. Yeah, a different place. Cause I don't see that in London. Mm. But um, Jordan, you mentioned earlier, like obviously you're a dad, isn't it? and had your daughter two years ago. Talk about, talk us about that. Like, how does it feel to be a father? Um, like, what what are like the things that you take from your daughter, and like what have you learned from being a father so um, so far? Um, what have I taken from it? Just more of a responsibility, you know, because. Mm. I still mess around, but I'm still a, j- a joker, you know, to my mom. So, yeah, but, you know, it's a big responsibility because I've got a two-year-old now and, you know, she's the love of my life, definitely. Mm-hmm. And the times I have with her is special, honestly. When, um, so when you, so you see when you, like, when you were expecting your child, were you like, oh, shit. Oh snap! Like I don't know what I'm gonna be doing. Like what was what was going through your head? Were you or were you just like I am cold, calm? Nah, it was uh, it was planned. Mm. We was trying um, me and my partner at the time. So when I got uh, the call from her, I think we was playing Arsenal away. This would have been oh, mad. So I'm in the hotel, and then I got to when she said it to me. I had to go down the staircase, you know, because yeah. for some reason I, I couldn't walk properly. I need to go to yeah. the staircase. Wow. It was a weird feeling, very weird. Mm. I was mm. over the moon as well. And then I just pulled my mum as well. Must be sick. Like we mentioned this to um, Ryan Bubble when we spoke to him the other day. But um, it must be sick to be able to like instill your knowledge into a child. You know what I mean? Like everything that you learn is now you're now teaching your child now, isn't it? Uh, what's that like? I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> okay. What's the what's the balance like for you though? Because like I'm 27, and I know if I had a child, yeah, I'd want to do all of the the dad stuff. But I think I would still be a little bit silly as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, how do you find that? Like, obviously having the responsibility of, of being a father, but still wanting to kind of, you know, like enjoy your life a bit as well. Like, how is that? Um, I still have to balance, you know, so, where I can chill with my friends and that. And also, you know, spend time with my, my daughter. So, um, I find it okay. But the times I'm with my daughter, it's special. Definitely. And I always have to go in a playhouse. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, whenever she's um, at home, uh, the TV is just on her channel. Can't change it. So, uh, it's a special moment, definitely. No, that's sick, man. Keep it up, man. Doing a sick job. Thank you, man. Uh, Jordan, so like throughout your time, um, you've had obviously like ups and downs and um, you're one of the few footballers that's actually not on um, socials. And, um, you know, it, it's great being like uh, the the youngest to appear for Wickham. It's great being linked with Liverpool when you're uh, 15 years old. But then uh, the other side of that is there's a lot of pressure that you necessarily didn't ask I mean you're just trying to do the best for yourself at that time you know everything that come with it um even even at this age you probably still wouldn't be prepared for it so on the mental side of thing because I know you've been like a really vocal on this as well how did you cope with those times from kind of being this startlet coming out um you know the positives or some of the negatives and how have you uh, learned to deal with some of those things the negatives in the past, but way in the past or, or recent? Just just in general, from like um, bursting onto the scene at a young age, like, you know, we know the positives of that, you get the acclamation um, and things like that, but like, what were some of the downsides of kind of bursting on so young? Uh, only downside I could say is having to be very patient, you know, because yes, you might burst onto the scene, but for me it was... Uh, a long wait uh, on the bench. Some games I won't I won't come on at all, which is understandable because of the the quality of players that was at Liverpool. But it was still um, breathtaking to just watch it and be on the bench and be involved in the just the, the training just before the game starts. So it's terrific. And then how do you balance it? Because it's a it's a delicate one. Because obviously you need to back yourself and think that I'm good enough to be in this team. But then there might be weeks where you're not and you're like, okay, cool, I need to respect the players I'm around, but like, I really feel I should be out there. How did you How did you manage that? I think I managed it okay because there was never a time where I said to uh, Brendan or, or to Klopp, uh, I should be playing with her. There was never a time, especially with Brendan because, you know, he that's when he, he brought me on the scene. So there was never a time with Brendan where I thought, you know what, I should be playing. Whether I thought or not, I never, you know, expressed my feelings to him, so he would have never known that. But I just stayed patient, you know, and then he helped me break through. And then, and then moving forward a little bit then, uh, Raheem gets his big move to um, City, and then um, all of a sudden, fairly or unfairly, um, there's a large expectation uh, on yourself. I know recently a couple of, like, infamous tweets have surfaced of kind of like people like, oh, don't worry, we've got like uh, Jordan Ibe and there's a lot of pressure on you at that time. Like, how did you, how do you remember that period? Did it ever get to you? Yeah. Because yeah. Raheem is a terrific player. You know, you know the stuff uh, at Liverpool where he's playing left wing, right wing or the times that he played up front. So for me to, you know, try to Half of what he's doing, um, it was hard work, definitely. And you know the fans they expect a lot. It's a it's a massive club. They haven't got time for 
you know, just a youngster coming in and just just fighting on his feet. If he's ready, he's ready. And obviously people or the fans, they took it upon themselves to think, you know what, okay, Raheem's gone. Jordan's there to replace him. So it was kind of hard for me. I found it a bit um, nerve-wracking at times, but uh, I tried. And then obviously like now you're, you're a lot more uh, experienced and then um, looking back at like the young ones coming up now, um, obviously there's social media is everywhere and um, it's, it's way, it, it's really more intense these days. You know, there's more scrutiny on everything that they're doing. Uh, what advice would you give to your, like your younger self on maybe how you would cope with that, um, knowing what you know now? Um, just believing in myself. Um mm-hmm. I could tell my younger self just to have more confidence. That's something I, um, I struggle with a lot and believing in myself, you know. Um, I have to always get, well, be reassured by a certain coach or a manager or, you know, my stepdad or my mum. Mm. They always reassure me because my confidence wasn't the best. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Hey, George. Um, sorry, sorry, um, Stephen. Um, do you feel was there ever a time when you did feel confident? Like, when did you feel like you lost that? Because I feel like I feel like up until that point when you're coming up at Wickham, you're probably like, right, like this is it, isn't it? And then mm. that's the, maybe for you because I had a similar uh, a similar experience when I played for Palace, isn't it? I got released at 18, and I think that's the first time in my life that or had a, had a moment where like I like I failed, didn't it? And I didn't know how to deal with it, like. Talk about that a little bit. Like, how did it feel? Get, like having all of that, like all that praise, all that adulation at Wickham, then going to to, to Liverpool to like meet these expectations. Uh, it was it was hard, uh, especially at the beginning. And mm. sometimes I felt, you know, not being uh, disrespectful to. To the club itself at all, but sometimes I felt like it was like me against the rest of the under 18s at, at some times because, uh, you know, they're all local lads, all know each other, you know, they all go out from Rose, etc. And it was just me, the only one from London, so I found it a bit hard, you know, but the yeah. belief started coming, um, especially from uh, having loads of conversations with Alex and Wolfhawk. Um, Frank McParlin, who was mm-hmm. there, uh, so that really helped me. And just having one-to-one sessions with him, and sometimes would, I'm talking about um, who I was just talking about. I just mm-hmm. have one-to-one sessions with him with Alex, and he would call me up at night time or in the morning before training, and always tell me reset the clock, reset the clock. Whether I'm training with the first team or with the reserves, so. He helped what, do you, what did he mean by resetting a clock? Okay, um, basically, um, there was a couple of training sessions where I, I was training really well for the first team. I think this was in pre-season. Um, pre-season when uh, I think Raheem just left. And he would always tell me, don't just think you've had one good training session and all the players can see it and Brendan can see it. Don't think you're nice and we'll be okay to just, you know, take the piss during the rest of the week and just go for it. You would tell me, even after training and in the morning of training the next day, you'd call me and say, reset the clock and then train as how I trained yesterday and be hungry again. How did that help, how did that help you stay focused, did it? Yeah, for sure. Because mm. whether I trained um, well or not, I just reset the clock. And if I had a good training session, I'd be like, scrap that. I need to reset it. I need to do this, the same thing again. Because mm. this is not my age group. I, I need to above and beyond mm. to target in the first team. Do you think a lot of players struggle with that, like with confidence? Because obviously, as, as, as athletes and as viewers and fans, we just believe like we just believe that players and athletes and footballers themselves they go out and they perform they have to, but do you think it's more common that players actually do battle with confidence issues? 
Uh, I think Sunday. I, I don't know about a lot of people, but mm-hmm. definitely for me, I, I suffer with uh, confidence issues and anxiety and always thinking the worst. Uh, what if I don't beat this player? Not believing in myself. Uh, as I said, I have to always be reassured by a coach or member of the family. Mm. Or I'd have to watch myself on uh, YouTube. Just to jump in on that, yeah. I think, bro, honestly, I think it's so refreshing to hear you mm. say that. And what I mean by that is, like, we're all we're all men, like, young black men, right, from, from London. And we've, growing up in the ends, we've been trained to always have, like, this, you know, tough mindset and always come across and act a certain way. And a lot of the time, we don't open up and we don't talk about, you know, some of these things. And I think that's, that's what makes it even worse down the line. Mm. You know what I mean? So... Honestly, to hear you to, to hear you just like be open and honest with it is, yeah. I think, is very refreshing because I I truly believe in you know just having a lot of friends in the game as well. There's a lot of people that have you know that that don't talk about stuff like this, and I feel as though that makes it worse down the line. You know what I mean? So uh, just like keeping it in, it's not going to mm-hmm. help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more yeah, power so to you, my bro. Yeah, I was I was just going to say like, how do you? Is there anyone? Is there anyone that you kind of like level with? Could be in football, out of football. That sort of um, understand where you're coming from, or is it like, do you, like how do you how do you deal with it? For sure. Started. Uh, not saying he relates to it, but we have conversations a lot of the time. Uh, maybe like once or twice during a month, and we just talk about this sort of stuff, and we just mentor me and just be like this and that and blah 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 but it's just getting great advice from him because you know he's had a good career and you know he's still playing now so yeah do you, do you think do you think players need to to be more real with like how they are because players often have this sort of image that they try to maintain right like what do you think about it um I understand where you're coming from um uh, most probably they need to be a bit more real but I think it's uh, not a racial thing but because you know Sturridge we're both black you know I look up to him to me I'm like his little bro so he just gave me all the confidence all the, all the confidence all the the belief he could tell me everything all the experience he's been through on the pitch and just mental me that's it, man. That's dope. Um, Jordan, I just wanted to come back to because um, you're one of the rare footballers that isn't actually on um, social. So I just wanted to ask you um, wh- when was the time you came off, or wh- were you ever on? And then uh, what was the reasoning behind that? And you know, what are the benefits that you've seen from from that decision? You haven't done your research. Yeah. I have. I have. I have. Definitely on IG, sure. Yeah. So Jordan wrong, bro. Okay. Come on. Bro. And, uh, <laughs> and he's taking it up. Come on. Come on. Sit down. Yeah. Sit down. Yeah. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. It's my time to get the smoke, bro. <laughs> Jordan, tell him again, bro, because he's already he's always dishing out smoke and I'll tell him again, bro. <laughs> we're gonna edit this part out, yeah? No, 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 we'll keep it. We'll keep it. All right, we'll keep it. Let me let me rephrase it. All right, recently we've seen kind of um, like from Ian Wright um, to Wilfred Zaha, we've seen kind of like fans. Well, I don't even know. I don't even know the fans. But let's say members of the public. Uh, really attacking through like kind of like the race, racial abuse and just abuse in general. And I just want to get your take on like what social media companies need to do and kind of like how that how does that affect you as players? Because we just assume that you guys just buy it off, but you you, you really don't. Um, I listened to what um, Wolf said um, today, and I think he's right with uh, what he's saying about you having to give uh, all your details to even have an account on Twitter, whatever it is, Instagram, 
whatever the the social media um thing is, because uh, there's a lot of trolls out there just talking their crap, and you know they're getting away with it. And to, to players, it's gonna hit them hard because they know the the struggles from their ancestors and stuff like that. Yeah, you just saying a, a silly tweet or a silly thing on Instagram about their race or, or something is it's not acceptable. Now, if he was to re- retaliate and say something, yeah. you know, the whole world, the whole BBC, everyone would be onto it. Authors are hard saying blah, blah, blah. So it's good that, you know, police um, caught this person. It's true what you're saying, because I think um, I'm of the same opinion that I think people need to register with their uh, real identities now because we hold, like, players or people in public spotlight to a higher standard, like, oh, you you guys just need to take it, take it, take it, take it. No. But at the end of the day, you're, you're human. And we saw that with, like, Eric Dyer, who, like, made him marched, marched up into the stands. <laughs> and, you, know, you, you know what I mean? If there wasn't cameras, like, God knows what that would have done. But, like... He was on grease. You know, but I understand where he's coming from. That's my brother in the crowd and someone's doing something to him. Like, we're, we're all human. So... Um, I, I really, I really agree with what you're saying there. That like it needs to be more of a balance, and we need to have a duty to protect, um, to protect each other. Like you shouldn't, you shouldn't be able to get away and say those things and have uh, no consequences because we've allowed that environment. That's why these things have escalated and escalated and escalated to the point where they're at now. Um, what would you like to see done in that respect? Um, equality, mm. you know, because. Right now, it'd be true to say that, you know, the world's a mess. Yeah. Uh, especially yeah. with, like, all the racial stuff. Uh, I don't want to talk too much on it in case I say the, the wrong thing, but the world's a mess. And it's not acceptable. You know, we're all one race. Yeah, no, I, I won't. I won't ask you too much on that, but I'll just give like because we've had a lot of uh, opinions on this and we've spoken on it um, at length, so we can like share where our heads are at. But like to your point, we see it um, everywhere. So just not on the pitch, but also in like places of work and where we are right now. Uh, what I would say is that one thing that fills me up with um, a little bit of hope right now is that I can't remember a time like this where it feels like people are listening and are getting it. Um, so that's mm-hmm. something that fills me up with a little. I think it was it was it Brighton where or Bristol where they took down the statue that um, yeah. and, and they threw it into that um, the river. It was like you know there's more white people than black people that came up and said look we're we're actually tired of this. We're not going to stand for it. And I can't remember a period of time when um, that kind of thing has happened where that's kind of unity has happened. So that's one thing that gives me a little bit of confidence. But I think it needs to go beyond. Um, kneeling before a football match or wearing a t-shirt, it needs to be like legislation and 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 things like that. So I think when we spoke about it, that's kind of like where we netted out. And but we do feel optimistic that this time round, like some change will happen. Whether it will be enough, we don't know. But we we feel like this this time is different than the previous ones. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. No. I just wanna I, I just wanted to chime in with some questions on my own and um obviously like you're quite a rare breed in the fact that you played football at fifteen and you've been in the game basically ten years, a decade now, you're twenty-four. That's and you've been nice. through so much. And like you've you've had a lot of experience, you know, you know, like like positive and negative. And you're and I think in football sometimes you have this mindset that like if you're a certain age and things aren't happening, like it's 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 your 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 you're almost like your your tail has been told. You're, you're 24, you know, you're still very young, you've still got at least 10 years in you. Like, what do you think is next in your career? Like, what, like what, what's the next step you're looking to move? You know, you, you, uh, you, know, you obviously just recently left Bournemouth. Like, what, what do you think your future holds, so to speak? Football-wise? Yeah, yeah, football-wise. Um, well, it could be out of as well, if, there's, if, yeah. if you've got plans out of football as well. That could be interesting. Uh, football-wise is for me to just, you know, remain fit and hopefully... Um, Sign to to a new club and then start my new chapter from there. And hopefully, it's, I can you know embrace it and do better than the previous clubs I've been at. And outside of yeah. football, um, it'd probably be 
like property because my mum, she she sorts out all the sort of stuff for me, and I take her advice. Oh, nice, nice. And then um, regarding your next club, like we see a lot of young players now moving around Europe and America. Would you be open to a, ch- a change and maybe going um, overseas or to the MLS or are you only focused on like the, the, uh, the playing in England um, for now? No, it's a, it's a question mark because um, you know, I still have a, a daughter, you know, so yeah, yeah. a lot of stuff to think about. Mm-hmm. That property thing is interesting though, because like when we were speaking to to Ryan Babble, he was super into property as well, and he was talking about like the benefits of it, and I think he's even got a company that he's starting up that like teaches other footballers how to invest and how to make money. Like what what is it about property for you that's that's quite interesting at the minute? Um, I wouldn't say I'm so interested in it, but I feel as if it's a a safe bet. Um. You know, sometimes it could go wrong, but <clears throat> a lot of footballers have done it, mm. and I've seen some of the benefits already. Um, so I think it could be a, a good thing to go into. But there's there's other stuff out there. Yeah, so it might not even be. It might just be. Uh, might be coaching. Mm. I don't know. Jordan, as you've been on your journey, you've realised like a lot about yourself, what motivates you and things like that. Um, looking ahead to like that next club, like what kind of environment would you be looking for, like, you know, to get the best out of you? Like, what do you need from a club in order to get the best out of you, would you say? Uh, it's a tricky one. Um, I need is for, for me to, you know, really buckle down and... Mm-hmm. You know, take this serious because for the last few years, uh, I I couldn't say and, and be honest to myself and be like, you know, what I gave a hundred percent because I'd be lying to myself. So it's for me to really buckle down and with the right club, hopefully they can help me along the way to become a great player. And does this period almost feel like a? Not like a weight lifted, but like I know you mentioned earlier about resetting the clock. Um, or does it feel like now, okay, cool, you've got this opportunity to reset and really uh, look forward to the future of like confidence, like you can really go after it now? Yeah, for sure, definitely. That's sick. sick. Now, I'm hoping and wishing that you get the club that you uh, dream of because we, I think we all love watching you play and I want to see you like. Um, just, just black professionals doing well and like um, definitely want to see you on the pitch and smiling again and obviously lifting yourself and the family. So like really hope you find um, that club and can't wait for the announcement. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a while since I've... <laughs> no, coming back to you, man. Coming back to I, I just wanted to quickly touch on it because you, you spoke about um, when you was in Liverpool and um, like the swag or the drip he said like the North Face and all that obviously you're like you know kind of wave you got the, the tattoos got, got the one two ring got the hair and that like, how important is it for you to like stay on top of fashion and trends and, and what, does, what does that look like for you? Uh, it's not important to me uh, at all um, yeah it's not really important to me at all um, I'm not out here buying uh, the the latest watch, the Emery, Louis and stuff like that. I'll still wear, you know, decent jeans and put Air Forces on or wherever I go, I'm usually wearing Jordans anyway. So I don't have no, I'm not always a designer. Mm. Or mix it with my... Come on. I was going to say, like, why, um, oh, Stephen, the, the, thing, the, the thing's a bit mad still. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was going to say, like, why... Why do you think there's so many footballers that do just gravitate towards that, like the Neri, all like the high-end fashion? And then there's the other side of people that just keep it humble. Like, what, what are those two things? I feel like it's the, you know, the starter pack. It's the starter pack, you know. The young ones or even older players, they feel as if, you know, to, to fit in you've got to have the latest thing mm. and 
Dude, I'm not gonna lie. There was a time I used to think like that, but now it's just I don't really care not at all. What changed in you to like? What was that shift? When did you realize that it's just not that deep? Um, it's just the way, the way I dress. I prefer to be in night clothes. So if I was to maybe put on a designer thing, um, it would be with night trainers or. Vice versa, everything I'd have, I'd have Nike on with it instead of like having like a Barman hoodie on. I'd have a a Nike SB hoodie on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. All right, calm. Um, bro, obviously we were just chatting about like your interest in that, but what other things are you interested in other than football? Uh, I like music. Um, you said you're into Wizkid and Naramali, but what other music, what other music you listen to? No, no, that's that's the the Nigerian. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I like Travis Scott mm. a lot. Listen to him mostly, most of the time. Um, one guy called uh, Suave Sinatra. Yeah, 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 yeah. You heard of him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a big star. I haven't heard of him still. What kind of music is he? Wait, uh, he's wavy. Yeah, uh, swear down. Kind of melodic as well. Um, mm-hmm. He's a good artist. And I, okay. I feel if he continues to therefore make it. I like the music he makes, um, especially when I was going through one hard time uh, mm-hmm. during the summer. Um, one of these songs it's called Voices I could relate with it and I've never been you know when people say oh, I can relate to this song I, I don't listen to that nonsense like, I'm trying to hit a beat and stuff yeah, like that yeah, yeah. that one song from uh, Suave I could relate with it and it was a time where I was going for a hard time a bit depressed um, having anxiety problems uh, so it's a good guy to, to check out so he's one. Of, he's like he's proper low key, isn't it? Like he's not like proper in like people. If you know, you know sort of thing, isn't it? Yeah, for sure, mm-hmm. for sure. Over the next few years, you you hear him. For sure. Yeah. So obviously, you're from South London. Well, from South. Well, most of us are from South London, apart from Stephen. Um, what? What's your surname? You know me, bro. <laughs> I'm <kidding. laughs> Do you know what? I was gonna leave it till after, but you know my you know, brother, innit? Yeah, because I seen him maybe like a week ago. Oh, what? You still uh, chat to him? Yeah, I seen him in a petrol station. Oh, sir, sir, sir. Obviously, I weren't driving, but I just seen yeah. him in the, I seen him <laughs> at the petrol station. Just <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just had to put it out there. I seen him at the yeah. petrol station. I was like, oh, what are you saying, bro? It's just, I hadn't seen him for years. Mm. So when I, I'm looking at you now. Like, thinking, bro, I know a man from somewhere, innit? I'm thinking, this must be a Ken lock right now. <laughs> <laughs> Is it him? The Jews are know. strong, innit? The Jews are hey, strong, bro. Bro, you want a twist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would have you you played with him at, at Wickham, innit? Yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was going to say, yeah, you're from South London, obviously into music. I know you got a 16 written somewhere, bro. 100%. 100%, bro. <laughs> No, no, no. Don't lie, bro. No, 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 no. No, no. All right, so you never, you never, you never gone in the studio or nothing? I have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have, but it's not happening. It's not happening. No? Nah. I'm good, boss. Was it rapper, me. singer? Nah, I allow you still. Allow I did on dub, you know? Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Versatile. <laughs> Oh shit! Oh, man. You? You got a little sixteen? Me? I'm I'm a rapper, innit? Yes, yeah, so for sure. Singer, rapper. Oh, Come on, spit, spit some bars. Nah, you can't, put it on me like, you can't put it on me on like that. Like, bro. bro, this is this is your this is your field. Man said it's my field, but I, this is a different field. I'm a podcaster, international podcaster, right? Now. <laughs> <laughs> I love like you. When we stop recording, I'll, 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 I'll recording. send you some music. I'll send you some music, Loki. Listen to that. If you like Suave Sinatra, it's not the same vibe, but it's also like just a little bit left field. You get me? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but listen, bro, it's been a pleasure to have you well, on the show, obviously. Um, thank you for giving us your time. Thank you for opening up to us. Um, as, 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 as I said, it was a sick to have you here. Um, and thank you, bro. Well, I've got to do yeah, one more man. thing. You're listening to the Out of Home podcast with your boys, Yaf, Kwame, Stephen, your boy, Kieran, and the one and only, Jordan Ibe. Yes, 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 yes. Awesome, Love, my man. You London boys are crazy. Hey, come on. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.